0: This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Northwest Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth according to the New Testament. Come worship with us Sunday mornings at 1030 at 1708 Elm Springs Road in Springdale, Arkansas. For a little while today I want to look at the Passover. You know, many of us have heard about the Passover, but we may not know or we may not really remember where it came from or or why the Jews celebrated it. Uh, There was a feast that they did every year called the Passover Feast, and Um, When I was preparing for my sermon this morning, I was actually going to study about a different topic over the day of Pentecost, and I was working on that. And we'll do that next time. But in order to really see the full depth of the day of Pentecost, we need to look back a little bit further about the Passover. So for a little while this morning, I want to look at the Passover, and I want to look at uh, these things and how it relates to us today. And My encouragement for you during this lesson is that it will continue to build your faith, As we continue to study God's Word, it will always build your faith, and also that this lesson will spur you on to show more love and more good works as you continue your Christian walk and as we can be that shining light for Christ together. So let's look back a little bit further. We're going to look back thousands and thousands of years ago when the Israelites were in Egypt. If you remember the Israelites, they lived in Egypt. Now, when when they first moved to the land of Egypt, it's because there was a great famine in the land, and Joseph was in Egypt, and he He had done what God had commanded him to do, which was to lay by and store a portion of all that they were blessed with for seven years. And in the next seven years, there was this great famine. So the Israelites, they didn't have any food. So they went to to Egypt and Joseph, uh, remember he he showed them that he was Joseph. He was one of the the Israelites' children and he uh, brought all the Israelites into Egypt. So they moved into Egypt to have relief from this famine. Um, So everything was going good for a while. Now, over time, God continued to bless the children, the the Israelites. He continued to bless them where they grew a lot. And the the, uh, the Egyptian pharaoh, he started getting nervous. He didn't like how much they were growing, that they were going to overtake the Egyptians. So he started getting harder and harder on them. And it basically turned into a form of slavery and bondage. So over time, the Israelite children in Egypt, they became slaves to the Egyptians. Um, Now... God didn't like that. He didn't like how His children were getting treated in in Egypt, so He wanted them to move out of Egypt so that they could continue to worship God the way that they were supposed to and that they would have freedom. So in order to make this happen, He sent Moses to go talk to Pharaoh, and Moses was going to lead his children out of Egypt. Of course, that's when you read about Exodus, that's a lot of what Exodus is about. It's it's them uh, exiting out of the land of Egypt into um, another land so that they could worship God. Well, Pharaoh didn't want to let his people go, did he? So Pharaoh began to be harder and harder on them. So what God did was He sent these plagues to the land of Egypt to try to get Pharaoh to release the Israelite children. Okay, So these, these ten plagues that we've got, let's look at the first nine just kind of as a reminder. The first plague was that He turned water to blood. The next one is He sent a lot of frogs into the land, and then lice then flies, then a bunch of the livestock dies. Then he did boils and hell, locusts, and then complete darkness. He did all these nine plagues, and still yet Pharaoh would still not let the Israelites go, would not release them from that bondage. So then finally God said, I'm going to send one more plague, and this is going to do it. This last plague is going to be so bad that it will cause Pharaoh to let these people go. And let's look at that in Exodus chapter 12. We're going to read verse 1 through 15. Exodus chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. says, And the Lord spake to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for a lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man, according to his eating, shall make your account for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and shall strike it on two side posts, and on the upper doorposts of the houses, wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in the night, roast with fire, and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire, his head with his legs, and with the pertinence thereof. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. And that which remaineth of it in the morning ye shall burn with fire." And thus you shall eat it with your loins girded, and your your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Now key in on verse twelve. Says, "For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and I will smite all of the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord." And the blood shall be to you as a token upon your houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and you shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. Seven days shall ye eat unleavened bread, even the first day ye shall put away leaven out of your houses for whosoever eateth leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day that soul shall be cut off from Israel so God tells him his next plan this next play he's going to send in the land of Egypt is he's going to kill the firstborn child the firstborn of every man and of every beast he's going to go through and this this plague is going to be the the ticket this is going to be so harsh against the land of Egypt, that it's going to cause Pharaoh to finally let go the children of Israel. And that's exactly what he did. But before he did that, he gave the children of Israel a way that he would pass over. He would not cause the plague to fall on them. He gave them certain instructions. We're going to look deeper into that in a little bit. So let's look at when he executed this 10th plague. If you go down a little further, Exodus 12, chapter 12, verse 29... It says, And it came to pass that at midnight the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne, and to the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of cattle. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants, and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. And he called Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise up and get you forth from among my people, both ye and the children of Israel, and go. Serve the Lord as ye have said, and take your flocks and your herds, as ye have said, and be gone, and bless me also. So God executed this judgment. He executed this this very harsh punishment against the Israelites that he was going to kill the firstborn, and that's what he did. And look at that. It said all the way from Pharaoh the king to everybody else, even the slaves in dungeons, there is not a single house They did not have a firstborn child that didn't die. Every single one of them. Now, for all of you parents out there, I want you to think about that for a second. Your firstborn dies. That's a harsh thing to think about. Now, think about everybody else around you. Their firstborn dies too. All on the same night. Everybody. All in the land of Egypt. That's a pretty harsh punishment. It's a pretty harsh thing for God to do. But sometimes it's necessary for God to take that drastic of a measure for His will to be done. And that's what happened. So God caused all the firstborn to die, except for the children of Israel who obeyed his instructions. The ones that obeyed his instructions, they did not cause it. Now, after this, <clears throat> Pharaoh told, told Moses and Aaron to take your people and get out of here. That's what they've been saying the whole time. Like, just let us go and you won't have these hard things. Well, finally, Pharaoh comes to, his, to the realization of, OK, just go. Get out of here. And by Israel leaving, it was going to be a blessing because then he wouldn't have any more punishments from God. So he tells him, get out of here. So that's what they did. Now, of course, you remember that Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt, and then he goes to a place called Mount Sinai, where at Mount Sinai is where he received the law from God. So all this when he was exiting, uh, when he was leaving Egypt and taking all the the Israelites out of there, that was before they had the Mosaical Law. They received the Mosaical Law afterwards when he went to Mount Sinai. So at Mount Sinai, God reminded him, of what he did. And this is where he instituted this feast of Passover to be happened every year. In Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 1-3, through 3, it says, Observe the month of Abib, and keep the Passover unto the Lord thy God. For in the month of Abib the Lord thy God brought thee forth out of Egypt by night. Thou shalt therefore sacrifice the Passover unto the Lord thy God, of the flock and the herd, and in the place where thou shalt choose to place his name there. Thou shalt eat no leavened bread with it, Seven days shalt thou eat unleavened bread therewith, even the bread of affliction, for thou camest forth out of the land of Egypt in haste, that thou mayest remember the days when thou camest forth out of the land of Egypt all the days of thy life. So here we have where God reminds Moses to tell all the people: this is going to be a feast you're going to do every year. It's called the Passover feast to remember the Passover. The main reason, the purpose for this was so that they would never forget that God is the one who delivered them out of the land of Egypt. He delivered them out of that bondage. This feast was going to be done every year by the Israelites, wherever they were, wherever they were at the time, this is the feast that they were going to have for their remembrance and recognition of God's salvation for them. So the problems that the Israelites had was that they were in bondage to Pharaoh, who continually made their life harder. And harder and harder. You can look back and you can read different ways of how Pharaoh made their life harder, but it it was harsh. Even during this harsh time, there were some Israelites who, they didn't want to leave Egypt. They wanted to stay there. It was comfortable for them living that hard life because it was familiar. It's what they had their whole life. They lived in Egypt for approximately 430 years Remember, at first it wasn't too bad, but it progressively got harder and harder and harder. So the problem that they have was they were living in bondage. They were living uh, in chains as slaves. God's solution for this problem was to use the Passover to save Israel and punish Egypt so that Pharaoh would release his children out of bondage. So it was twofold. The Passover was to get rid of the bondage and at the same time to save his people from it. So that was God's solution. So this is the Passover that we see. This is why we have why, why the, the Jews still today have this feast every year. It's this Passover feast so that they can remember when the children of Israel were brought out of, of the land of Egypt. And this drastic measure was, was really necessary for God. He had to do it this harsh and this way so that He could bring them out of that, that land of bondage. Now there's key, three key things to recognize at the Passover feast. There was the lamb that was sacrificed, there's the unleavened bread, and there's the blood of the lamb. So three key things that we're going to look at, and then we're going to see how these three key things relate to us today as Christians. The first one is the lamb that was sacrificed. Exodus chapter 12, verse 5 and 6, it says, "...your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out of the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation..." Of Israel shall kill it in the evening. So the first thing that we see, the first main object of this Passover was the lamb. You had to have a lamb that was going to be sacrificed. The next thing that you see is unleavened bread. If you look in verse 15 through 20, it says, "Seven days shall you eat unleavened bread. Even the first day shall you put away leaven out of your houses. For whosoever eateth leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. And in the first day there shall be a holy convocation." And in the seventh day shall there'll be a holy convocation to you. No manner of work shall be done in them, save that which every man must eat, that that only may be done for you. And you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for in this selfsame day have I brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore shall ye observe the day in your generations by an ordinance forever. So the second key object that we see, the first one was a lamb. The second one is this unleavened bread. The third key object is the blood of the lamb that was sacrificed. In verse 7, it says, And and they shall take the blood, that's the blood of the lamb, and they shall strike it on the two posts on the upper doorposts of the houses wherein they shall eat it. Then you go down to verse 12, it says, For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and I will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood, the blood of the lamb, shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are and when i see the blood i will pass over you and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when i smite the land of egypt so here's the third thing that we see which is the blood they're supposed to take this blood and they were supposed to wipe it over the post the, the door post the door that enters into their house they're supposed to have that blood over there and when god comes through and he's going to smite all the children when he sees that blood that's going to satisfy him and tell him, This is a child of mine. I'm not going to go in and kill the firstborn. They're covered. They're covered by the blood. So he's going to continue on. So here's the three key objects that we see at the Passover it's the Passover lamb, it's the unleavened bread, and the blood of the lamb. Now, this Passover event that happened, it's a feast that they had every year. And it's a remembrance of them for them to do that. So even when they celebrate the Passover feast, they're still going to have a lamb that they sacrifice. They're going to eat that lamb. They're still going to have the blood of the lamb that, that was killed for the sacrifice. And they're still going to have unleavened bread. And this is something that they did every year, year after year after year, because they would still have these three objects in place. But how does this relate to us today? It's interesting to look back, and it's interesting to see that God delivered His people out of, the bondage of, out, of, out of the bondage of Egypt. It's interesting to see that He takes these drastic measures in order to give His people a way of salvation and a way that they can be free. And it's interesting to look at all these stories, and it's interesting to see that He institutes these feasts and these memorials so that His people would never forget. So all these things are interesting, but what does it really mean for us today, and how do we apply it? Well. Just as the children of Israel, they had a problem back then, the world has a problem today. And that problem that the world of today is a bondage of sin. So just as they were in bondage and they were enslaved to the, to the Egyptians, the world's problem is a bondage of sin and being slaves to sin. Just as God delivered a solution back then, He also gives a solution now. And that solution is still it's a new Passover. It's still a Passover that we have today, just as the Passover we had back then, it just looks a little different. If you look in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, Paul writes to the church at Corinth and he says, Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump as ye are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. So just as they had a Passover back then, we also have a Passover today. And that Passover is Jesus Christ. Now we're going to look back at those three key things we looked at. Remember we looked at a lamb, we looked at unleavened bread, we looked at the blood of the lamb. And we're going to see how those directly correlate to Jesus Christ that we have today. Jesus is our Passover lamb. In John chapter one, verse twenty nine, it says, The next day John seeing Jesus coming to him and said, Behold the Lamb of God. Which taketh away the sin of the world. We know that, that Jesus is the Lamb of God. He's described as the Lamb of God, and this is where He is described as the Lamb of God from John. If you look in First Peter chapter one verse eighteen, it says, "For as much as you know you were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, from your vain conversations received by traditions from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot." who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Jesus, again, is described as a lamb without blemish and without spot. Remember the the instruction that Moses gave to the people of what they should do for the Passover back then? They're supposed to go take a lamb without blemish, without spot. Jesus is our lamb without blemish and without spot. And He was sacrificed for us. And interesting enough, when Jesus went to die on the cross, we know that there's several things that led up to die on the cross. For the Passover feast, the day before the Passover was called the day of preparation. The day of preparation is when they would take their lambs that was going to be sacrificed for the Passover feast, and that was the day that they would kill the lambs and that they would prepare them for the Passover feast. So it was on the day of preparation. Interestingly enough, when we see our Passover, who was sacrificed for us. Let's look at what day He was crucified. John chapter 19, verse 14 through 16. And it was the preparation of the Passover. The day before the Passover, preparation. And about the sixth hour, and He said unto the Jews, Behold your king. And they cried out, Away with Him, away with Him, crucify Him. Pilate said unto them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answers, We have no king but Caesar. They delivered him, "...therefore unto them to be crucified, and they took Jesus and led Him away." Jesus, your Passover, was crucified on the day of preparation when they were, also cru- they were also sacrificing the lambs for the Passover feast. It was the same day. He was crucified to get ready for the Passover. So there's three things there that we see that Jesus is the Passover lamb that we have today. Just as Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians that Jesus is our Passover. He was a Passover lamb. Well, we also know that Jesus represents the bread too. In John chapter 6, verse 35, it says, And Jesus said unto him, I am the bread of life. He that come to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Look down in verse 47. It says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me have everlasting life. I am that bread of life. Your father did eat man in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread. Which come down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread and the bread that I give is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. Jesus describes himself as being the bread, the bread that we need for eternal salvation. There in verse 51 it says, if any eat of this bread, meaning of Jesus, that's how you obtain eternal life. We have to have that bread. And also, if we look at Jesus, then we also see that it's His blood that was shed for us, just as the blood that was shed back then, and that's what caused God to pass over the children of Israel. It's the same that we have today. It's just the blood of Jesus. If we look in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11, it says, But Christ being being come, a high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, that is... Made, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by His own blood He entered into once the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. So, the writer in Hebrews, what he's doing is he's comparing the blood that we have from Christ that was sacrificed on the cross. That blood that was shed, he's comparing it to all the blood that was sacrificed for thousands of years, year after year after year. And he's comparing basically the quality and the, the purifying nature of that blood. And saying Christ is the one who gave his blood and he just gave it once for all the sins of all the world forever. That that's what Christ did. But that blood is necessary. It's this same blood that washes us from our sins. Revelations 1, verse 5 and 6, it says, And from Jesus Christ, who is a faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And he made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. It's Christ's blood that washes us from our sins. It's His blood that gives us a way out of that bondage of sin and gives us that way of escape. It's His blood that shows God that we are a child of His. That when we have that blood on us and it covers us, just as they did back then, they covered the blood over the doorpost, and that was the sign for God. This is a child of mine. When we have the blood covering us, it washes us away from our sins. And it's a sign for God that we are covered. We're covered in His blood and we're a child of His. If we look in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, it says, To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He has made us acceptable, accepted in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. This is the blood that gives us redemption. It brings us back in whole with God. And it's also the blood that gives us forgiveness of sins. So as we can see, these three things that Jesus fulfilled, He's the Lamb of God, He's the bread, and He's the blood that was given for us. He is our Passover. That's the Passover that we receive today, just as they received it thousands of years ago for God to bring them out of bondage and to separate them from that evil. That's the Passover that we have today to bring us out of bondage of sin and to separate us from our evil as well. In this Passover, we can see in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 26... It says, For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world he hath appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. You know, when they did the Passover feast back in the Old Testament, they had to do it year after year after year, every single year for thousands of years. They had to have these sacrifices, and they did this feast so that they could remember it. But Christ only had to be sacrificed once. The purity of His blood, it only took one time, and that covered all the sins forever, for all those that look for Him, for all those that will follow after His way. So Christ is our Passover today. So now we've, we've looked at the Passover feast back then, but what happened thousands of years ago. We see how Christ has taken the place of that, that we don't have to do this Passover feast year after year after year. But how does it relate to us today? And what are we supposed to do about the Passover? What are we supposed to do about this? Well, the first thing is just as the children of Israel, they were supposed to strike the blood on the door, we're supposed to as well. If we look back, Exodus chapter 12, verse 7, it says, "...and they shall take of the blood and shall strike it on the side post and on the upper door post of the house wherein they shall eat it." We are supposed to do the same thing with the blood in a spiritual sense, of course. We're supposed to cover our house, our family, our life with the blood of Christ. Romans chapter 5, verse 6 through 11 says, For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love towards us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies we were being reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we now have received the atonement. We have to have Christ's blood covering our life. We have to have that blood cover us so that we're justified by that blood and we're saved from the wrath of God. Remember, God took a very drastic Measure to go get the the children out of Egypt by killing the firstborn. God's going to take a much more drastic measure coming up when He destroys the world. And that's coming. That wrath is coming, and we know it is. But for His children who are covered by the blood, we don't have to worry about that wrath. We'll be saved from it. We're justified by that blood. You know, we sing a song called Nothing But the Blood of Jesus. And that song is really... There's a lot of instruction in that song. There's a lot of reminders. Let's look at that. Let's look at nothing but the blood of Jesus. It says there in the first verse, What can wash away my sin? Nothing. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my pardon this I see. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my cleansing, this my plea, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing for sin, nothing can for sin atone. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Not of good that I have done, nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my hope and peace, nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my righteousness. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. It is absolutely necessary that we cover our life and our souls with the blood of Jesus. There is no other way. No other way we can have it. We have to cover ourselves with it. The second thing that we see, if we look back in the Old Testament is the children of Israel were commanded to eat all of the lamb. You remember that? Let's look at in verse 10 and 11, Exodus chapter 12, verse 10. It says, And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remaineth of it in the morning you shall burn with fire, and thus ye shall eat it. With your loins girded, with your shoes on your feet, with your staff in your hand, you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. God commanded the children of Israel, you're going to sacrifice this lamb, you're going to burn it with fire, you're going to eat all of it. Remember, they were supposed to take a lamb for every house. If the house was too small, get with your neighbor, and you have a lamb. You eat all the lamb, and you eat it in haste. You do it quickly. You get it done with it. Well, how does that relate to us today? Are we supposed to go sacrifice a lamb and eat all of it? I, I like lamb. That's not what God's telling us. We also see as Christians today, Jesus is the Lamb of God. As the Lamb of God, He also is the Word of God. John chapter 1, verse 1 through 3, it says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. Go down to verse 14, it says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and of truth. We can see here the glory of the only begotten of the Father. The only begotten Son of the Father is Jesus. Jesus is the one who was made flesh. He was there from the creation. He was the Word. He was the Word that came to flesh with us. So Jesus is the Lamb, and Jesus is also the Word. Just as the Israelites were taught back then to consume and devour and take all of the Lamb, as Christians today, we should consume we should devour, we should take in the entire Word of God. We should bring it into our life. So that's the second thing that we can learn from y'all. Have the blood cover you. And after you have the blood cover you, keep it covering you, then completely devour the Word of God. Get into it. Do it with haste. Go fast. Go quickly. Get that Word of God and apply it to your life as much as you possibly can. Take all of it in. The third thing that we see from the Israelites back then is they were supposed to stay in their house. Remember, they would cover the, the doorpost with blood, stay in their house and not leave, because that was their protection. Let's look back in verse 22 and 23, Exodus chapter 12. It says, "...and you shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin, strike it on the lintel and two side posts with the blood that is in the basin, and none of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning. For the Lord were passed through to smite the Egyptians." And when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and upon the two posts, the Lord will pass over that door and will not suffer the destroyer to come into your houses to smite you. So the instructions that they got was once they go into their house at night after they've covered, that is their place of protection. That's their place where they're going to be safe from the wrath of God. God will not allow the destroyer to come in if they're in their house. Now, what would happen if they went out of their house? If they went out of their place of protection, God didn't promise that they'd be safe then. They had to be in that, that place of protection. Just as you and I, we have to make sure we stay in our place of protection from God's wrath. If you look at 1, 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 1 through 5, it says, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of God may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men for all men have not faith but the Lord is faithful who shall establish you and shall keep you from evil and we have confidence in the Lord touching you that you that both do and will do the things which we command you and the Lord direct your hearts unto the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. Paul is writing to the church at Thessalonica here, and he's saying that there's all these things out that that are going against us, that are hard for us, but the Lord is our protection. The Lord is the one who establishes us, and the Lord is the one who keeps us from evil. So the lesson that we can learn from the Israelites back in the Old Testament, they're supposed to stay in their house, stay in their place of protection. Jesus is our protection, and we need to make sure we never leave that. So we cover it with our blood. We continually devour His Word. We continually apply that to our lives to the best of our ability. And we never leave the, the protection that we have from our Savior. So keep in, in the Word and keep doing that. Finally, what we see, the fourth thing, is that the Israelites were supposed to do the Passover feast once a year for one singular purpose. And that purpose was so that they would never forget. They would always remember the sacrifice that was on that was made for them. We should do the same. We should constantly remember the sacrifice that was made for us. The sacrifice that we have today is where God, where Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper. And we can see that in Luke chapter 22, verse seven through 20. Remember, this is when they're getting ready for the Passover right before Jesus died. Luke chapter 22, verse seven says, then came the day of unleavened bread when the Passover must be killed. That's the day of preparation. And he sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare us the Passover that we may eat. And they said unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare? And he said unto him, Behold, when ye are entered into a city, there shall a man meet you bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him to the house where he entereth in, and ye shall say unto the goodman of the house, The master saith unto thee, Where is thou guest chamber, where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? And he shall show you a large upper room furnished, And there, make ready. And they went and found, as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. And when the hour was come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. And he said unto them, With desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took the bread and gave thanks and brake it and gave it unto them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise, also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new testament of my blood, which is shed for you. So here we see that Jesus, this is when He was instituting, this is what we call the Last Supper. This is when He was instituting that the Passover feast is related to Jesus giving His own life, His own bread, and His own blood as the cup. And so what we do is we remember that sacrifice every time we come together on the first day of the week for the communion. We remember, so we'll never forget what Jesus has done for us. In John chapter 6, verse 53, it says, And Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. As a living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, he shall live by me. So this is Jesus saying that it's not just enough to recognize that the bread is His body and that the blood is, his, uh, is the fruit of the vine. It's not enough to recognize that, but we actually have to partake it. We have to eat it. This is what gives us eternal life. And it's so that we remember the sacrifice. It's what we remember that He is our Passover. He is what delivers us out of the bondage of sin and gives us into the grace of God that we have. And Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 further instructions for this communion service that we have. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 23 through 26. Paul writes, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same nine in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And after the same manner, he took the cup and when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament of my blood. This do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you drink, eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death until he comes. So Paul is writing to the church of Corinth, and he's saying, as a reminder, this is what you're doing, why you're doing it. Look there in verse 26 at the very end. It says, You do show the Lord's death until he comes. When you look up that word show, what's the Greek word? uh, Strong's Greek number 2605, that means to proclaim, to declare, to preach, to speak of, or to teach. Every time that we come around to the communion table, we're doing, we're proclaiming the Lord's death till He comes. We're speaking of the Lord's death till He comes. We're declaring it. We're reminding ourselves in our life. We're doing this because Christ died for you. He became your Passover. He became your way of escape out of sin and into the graces of God. So we do this every time we come around the communion table. So to recap, we've learned a lot about the Passover. Maybe it's a good reminder. Maybe it's some stuff that you've never heard before. The Passover feast that the Jews had thousands of years ago that brought them out of Egypt. And what we do with it today is, number one, you have to be washed in Christ's blood. If you're not washed in Christ's blood, then the Passover is not going to help you. Christ will not help you if you're not washed in His blood. You're washed in His blood when you're baptized into Christ. Number two is you continually receive His Word, always, with haste. Do it quickly. Make sure you're getting into His Word often, all the time, and, and receiving as much as you possibly can of it. Number three, you never leave His protection. You know, one of Satan's tricks that he has is a trick of isolation. We feel like when something's not going right, we want to pull back and we want to get alone, we want to get to ourselves. And I'm going to tell you, that will not work. His protection is in Jesus, and we have our brothers and sisters in Christ. We have the church to help us remain in that protection. We need unity. We need to continually bring each other in. We need to continually pull each other towards us so we're not isolated and we fall away from that protection. And finally, honor the communion service. Every time we do this, remind yourself it's a remembrance that we're looking at the Lord's death. We're remembering what He did for us. We're remembering that He is our Passover. So these are the key things that I hoped you got out of it today. That when, when you look at the Passover, and when you think about how the Passover relates to us, that it will remind you to grow your faith in Him. It will remind you to stick true to His Word and the, the sacrifice that He made for you and your half. And when we think about this Passover blood, we have to have this blood in our lives to wash away our sins. So if there's anybody here this morning that you haven't been baptized into Christ, the Passover is ready for you. Christ has already done the work. He's already done everything necessary so that you can have forgiveness of sins and you can escape the wrath of God. But it's up to you to be baptized into Christ and to make sure that that blood covers you. If you haven't done that this morning, I would encourage you to do so. If you already have done that, you've already been baptized into Christ, you already have His blood in your life, I want you to think about your life. Are you continually digging into His Word? Are you continually consuming as much as you possibly can to grow your relationship with Christ? Are you making sure that you never leave His protection? Or has there been something that's caused you to maybe slip away a little bit that's pulling you into a, a life of isolation? It's pulling you out of the church. It's pulling, out of, of iso- it's pulling you out of His protection. If there's someone here that you'd like to be baptized into Christ or you'd like to just grow your walk with Christ, that's what we're here for. We're here to help you any way we can. This is an opportunity for us to serve you, to help you with whatever your desire may need. All you have to do is come have a seat on this front pew while we stand and sing the song that's been selected. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from God's Word. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Christ, send us a message at facebook.com slash cfcnwa. To find more sermons, look for us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and like our Facebook page. Thanks for listening, and God bless.